The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC headquarters on the East Coast, and here are your top five of five. Under pressure again, stocks coming off a mostly lower session as the Nasdaq sinks back into bear market territory. Investor attention uh, turning to inflation with the latest read on consumer prices due out later this morning. Economists hopeful we will finally see the pace of inflation peak. What it could mean for the Fed's next move, that's coming up. Elon Musk unloading another several billion dollars in Tesla stock as his request to terminate his Twitter deal hangs in legal limbo. Plus, what Disney CEO Bob Chapek is likely to tell shareholders today as his company prepares to release its latest quarterly results. Axios' Sarah Fisher will join me with a preview. And later, the crypto winter takes no prisoners and shares of Coinbase are paying the price in a very big way. Early this morning, it's Wednesday, August the 10th, 2022. You're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. A very good morning to you. I'm Wilfred Frost in for Brian Sullivan today. It's great to be with you. Let's begin the hour with a check in on U.S. futures. Of course, coming off a day where we did see the third day of declines in a row for the Nasdaq and uh, fourth day in a row for the S&P 500. Just a slight return to that sense of negativity after a strong bounce back from the lows over the prior uh, six weeks or so. The Nasdaq was the most negative yesterday, uh, was down 1.2 percent. But as you can see, all three of the major averages is expected to open higher as things stand. Only slight gains uh, and a slight reversal of yesterday's theme. The Nasdaq uh, doing the best in the futures market, up about half of 1%. Uh, the Dow, the least positive in the futures markets, but still up uh, about a third of 1%. Let's have a look at bond markets. So uh, the 10-year yield around 277 today. Of course, we've seen a range as low as 256 uh, up to 283 over the course of the last couple of weeks since that last uh, Fed meeting. We're towards the top of that range at 277 today. Heavily inverted, the two-year above that uh, yield at 324. Energy oil coming off uh, its first winning session in three. We've got uh, a little bit of a decline there, just two-thirds of 1% for WTI and uh, Brent to just below $90 for WTI. And crypto, of course, uh, was suffering over the last couple of sessions today. It's just stabilized, uh, but we have seen uh, a pullback of late, uh, and we're seeing uh, Bitcoin at, what, 23,000 and Ethereum at about uh, 1,700, and we'll discuss uh, those Coinbase numbers as well uh, in a little bit uh, uh, during the show. But uh, first of all, let's get a picture of what global markets uh, are doing today. And Jumana Basurche is uh, with me here in the London uh, newsroom. Jumana. Lovely to be with you in the studio, Wolf. All right, unfortunately, it is not a super exciting day for markets because we're in pretty much a holding pattern ahead of those U.S. CPI inflation numbers. Of course, you're going to talk a lot about that on the show in the coming hours. Uh, but that is one of the reasons why investors are just sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what comes out with those numbers. The FTSE 100, you can see just slightly in the green, uh, some warnings out of the government that there could be a three to four day energy blackout in a very worst case scenario this winter that's uh, sending some uh, tremors uh, down at people's uh, backs, uh, especially with the uh, upcoming 
very weak economic projections out of the Bank of England as well. So a couple of tricky months coming up for the British economy. Cacarons in France up about six basis points, similar amounts for Zetchadax as well, up about a quarter of a percentage point. So leaning towards the green. In terms of the sector breakdown, this is what we have today in Europe. We're getting towards the end of the earnings season. We've had a couple of uh, strong strong uh, reports out this morning out of Ahold Del Hayes, for example, the retailer up about six percentage points. Uh, unfortunately, the food and beverage basket still in negative territory, down about six tenths of a percentage point. Healthcare also leading some of the losses today, down seven tenths. But up at the top, we've got the defenses and shores up 1.2 percentage points. And then travel and leisure, very volatile one, but also up 1.2 percentage points today. Juman, thanks so much. Uh, let's get to your top corporate story. And Elon Musk uh, going back on his word over Tesla stock sales. Courtney Reagan is here. Uh, with that, a very good morning to you, Courtney. Hey, good morning to see you, Wilf. What a nice surprise this morning. Hey, is it even a business day if we don't talk about Elon Musk? We've got some new disclosures published late last night showing that Elon Musk sold more than 7.9 million shares of Tesla. That's worth around $6.8 billion between August 5th and August 9th, going against a statement that he made back in April that he has no more plans to sell any more Tesla shares. The latest sale comes as Musk is engaged in a legal battle over his request to drop his $44 billion takeover deal for Twitter. When asked by one Twitter follower if he was done selling Tesla shares, Musk replied, quote, yes, in the hopefully unlikely event that Twitter forces this deal to close and some equity partners don't come through, it is important to avoid an emergency sale of Tesla stock. Musk adding if the deal does end up falling through, he would likely buy some shares back and consider creating his own social media platform. Musk did not specify which equity partners he feared would abandon plans to finance his deal for Twitter. As of May, Musk lined up some 19 different partners, including Saudi Arabia's Prince Awaled bin Talal, VC firm Sequoia, and cryptocurrency exchange Binance. Well, Cool. Thanks so much. Uh, remarkable. Once again, he unloads so many shares and it doesn't really affect the share price. Always uh, manages to find cover and decent excuses uh, for those sales. Courtney, thank you. Thanks. Now, new developments this morning in Monday night's uh, FBI search of former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. Uh, Trump's lawyers telling NBC News uh, that uh, agents seized about a dozen boxes from the residence. And uh, NBC's Jay Gray joins us from Washington uh, with the latest on that story. A very good morning to you, Jay. Good morning, Wilfred, and a lot unfolding after the search and seizure at the president's Florida residence. Look, President Trump uh, spent last night apparently with a handful of Republican lawmakers at dinner at his golf club in New Jersey as the fallout and GOP response to that search and seizure continues to intensify. We now know the FBI search and seizure at Mar-a-Lago is the escalation of a back and forth between former President Trump and the Department of Justice for months before federal agents broke the locks on a basement storage area and Mr. Trump says opened his safe, removing about a dozen boxes from his office and private residence in Florida. I'm sure that they're claiming that there was something, you know, terribly egregious, that's a grave matter of national security. The problem is there are no crimes committed. Multiple sources say the investigation is centered on sensitive, highly classified documents. Mr. Trump's personal attorney says it's driven by politics. They're scared of Donald Trump. They don't want him to run in 2024. We believe in the rule of law, and that's what our country is about, and no person is above the law. 
not even the president of the United States. The former president hasn't officially announced. But soon we will have greatness again. But did post this campaign-style fundraising video online just hours after agents finished their investigation at Mar-a-Lago. I believed he was going to run before. I'm stronger in my belief now. Republicans have rushed to support the former president, demanding an explanation from the Justice Department, saying Mr. Trump and the GOP are being targeted. Outrage growing when late Tuesday, Representative Scott Perry, a Trump supporter, said his cell phone was confiscated by FBI agents. There's been no indication the events are connected. The FBI is not commenting on either. Yeah, and look, Representative Perry has been an ongoing figure in the investigation into the January 6th attack on the Capitol. In fact, he reportedly sought a pardon from then-President Trump for his role in trying to overturn the election. Wilfred? And, and Jay, we're also hearing some, some news of fresh legal woes for, for the former president in New York as well. Well, yeah, after several delays, the president or former president will sit down with lawyers from the New York Attorney General's office later today, delivering a deposition as part of an ongoing investigation into whether he and his company uh, inflated the value of assets to obtain a loan or tax benefits. So that's something that's been going on for a while. No indication of, of whether he'll actually answer their questions, but, but we'll sit down uh, later today. Jay, great. Thanks so much uh, for that. Let's get back to the Thanks. markets now. U.S. consumers likely to get some relief uh, from soaring uh, increases in prices uh, from the July print. But today's CPI data may not be encouraging for the Federal Reserve. Headline CPA, CPI forecast to have risen by 0.2% last month after advancing 1.3% in June. That's due primarily to the sharp drop in the cost of gasoline. Uh, year over year, prices expected to increase by 8.7%. In June, they rose by 9.1%. Uh, core CPI, which strips out food and energy, is expected to remain high as the Fed weighs whether to hike rates uh, by another 75 basis points in September or by a smaller amount. The core rate is forecast to rise half a percent in July after climbing 0.7% in June year over year, expected to be up 6.1% versus a 5.9% uh, rise in June. Let's talk more uh, about uh, all of this and uh, what it might mean for markets. Lindsay Pietzer, chief economist at Stiefel, uh, joins me now. Very good morning to you, uh, Lindsay. What is your expectation for this print in line with those consensus numbers I just, I just summarized? Well, given the decline in energy costs, we would expect some reprieve in, in this morning's July inflation numbers. That being said, while any reprieve is certainly welcome for consumers, I do think that it's going to be less than expected, less than what the market's expecting with the monthly increase nearer three to four tenths of a percentage point rise and an annual pace then pushing closer to nine percent. Now, yes, pump prices have come down off about 14% from last month, but other categories of costs have continued this upward, this relentless upward trend, particularly the OER, which stands for Owner's Equivalent Rent, or the shelter component that goes into the CPI. This has been rising at an average pace of half a percentage point. So when we look at the core, when we strip out those volatile components of food and energy, we do expect uh, prices to continue to rise at about 0.5.6, keeping that core number, that annual pace, well over 6%. So a little bit of a mixed bag expected in this morning's report.
And I guess, Lindsay, people will be wondering what this will do to change the, the likely path of action from, from the Federal Reserve. And even though the press conference from the last meeting was interpreted as, as dovish, is that conclusion already quite a long way behind us, given the strong jobs number that we got on Friday? Well, for the market, investors have been very anxious to call a peak in inflation. And so any cooling in this morning's report is likely to perpetuate that notion and increase expectations for a more benign Fed. That being said, from the Fed's perspective, policymakers have been very clear that it's going to take several months of noticeable reprieve in prices to convince them that inflation is on a sustainable downward trend. So one data point certainly does not make a trend and should not be enough to convince the Fed that inflation will continue to retreat from here, really pegging the market and the Fed against each other. And whoever flinches first is, is going to determine the directional momentum of rates. Lindsay, to, to what extent will Europe's inflation outlook be infectious to the United States? We've seen over a number of recent announcements like the Bank of England uh, last week pushing back their uh, forecasts for when inflation's likely to actually peak and the numbers remaining incredibly high for quite a few months still. If that's the case, will the US peak in inflation potentially be delayed also? Well, of course, we're a global economy. So certainly, as we talk about elevated prices on a global scale, that's going to filter down the pipeline into the U.S. And that reinforces the Fed's expectations that costs will remain elevated and the Fed needs to remain vigilant in its fight against inflation. Now, again, as I mentioned, investors seem to be ping-ponging between an expectation for 50 basis points versus 75 basis points next month. And any sign of cooling price pressures will tilt the market toward the latter, that 50 basis point increase, the Fed is going to have to step up its rhetoric in order to convince the market that they will stay at this more aggressive pathway if they deem 75 basis points uh, appropriate in order to bring down price pressures. But again, with, with the headline number still near a four decade high, it's going to be very difficult for the Fed to pivot away from that more aggressive pathway without one, losing credibility with the market or two, potentially losing control of inflation expectations. Lindsay, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Very much uh, appreciated. Uh, when we Thank come you. back here on Worldwide Exchange, uh, we'll discuss what Coinbase is telling CNBC about how it plans to keep users on its platform after last quarter's more than $1 billion loss. You can see Coinbase shares are down 7% in the pre-market, 67% uh, year-to-date. Plus, we'll take a closer look at the Nasdaq's dip back into bear market territory. The names one investor says she's selling now before it's too late and later. No green on the screen here. Your big money movers in today's mystery chart revealed a very busy uh, hour of Worldwide Exchange still to come. Don't go anywhere. We have futures pointing to a slightly higher open to the tune of about a quarter of a percent for the Dow. We'll be right back. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back. Uh, shares of Coinbase uh, falling in the pre-market after an already sharply lower session yesterday. The crypto exchange uh, out with results after the close, reporting a loss of more than $1 billion dollars and a top and bottom line miss for its most recent quarter, as you can see, down 7.6% in extended hours trade. Uh, Coinbase say sales fell more than 60% year on year as investors fled the crypto markets amid the recent crypto winter. Coinbase's CFO, uh, Alessia Haas, speaking with CNBC yesterday, saying the company is working to win back investor trust. We need to gain trust with investors. This is the first crypto cycle that public company investors have been through. We've been through four, so we may have more confidence than them. And we need to win their trust and have disciplined execution through these markets so they can see that we are making the right long-term bets, which will benefit them over the long term. But we are looking for through-the-cycle investors, and we are not a quarter-to-quarter company, as we've said a long time. Joining me now, Devin Ryan, Senior Research Analyst at JMP Securities, a citizen's company. Also with me, CNBC Technology reporter Mackenzie Sigalos. So a very good morning to you both. Do take a look, by the way, on CNBC.com for Mackenzie's latest breakdown of the numbers from last night. Mackenzie, I'll start with you and touch on these numbers last night from Coinbase. I mean, we saw revenue down 60% for them. I mean, clearly that's a stark number. That said, we all know that the crypto uh, pullback is, is upon us. So, so how was that print relative to expectations? Yeah, I mean, yes, it was down 60% from a year ago, but everyone was expecting it. So in terms of Wall Street analysts' estimates, it was only off by 3%. And the point that they make is, hey, operating expenses, they were up 8%. And crucially, that net loss was heavily impacted by a 446 million dollar impairment charge on the crypto assets that Coinbase holds on its balance sheet, 40% of which is in Bitcoin. So it's definitely been tracking those cryptocurrency prices lower. And Devin, in terms of that performance, disappointing performance uh, in terms of the revenue print, is that all because of the fall in crypto prices themselves? Or are they seeing a big fall off in engagement and, and volumes uh, also? Hey, good morning, Wilf. Great to see you. So, um, it, you know, it's all correlated. So ultimately, you know, prices were down over, you know, around 60% in the second quarter and their volumes declined by about 30%. So uh, there, there's a really tight correlation between where prices go and how engaged people are. And that makes sense, right? That, you know, adoption and engagement uh, will track uh, enthusiasm around price. And so, you know, we're, we're in a really tough spot in the second quarter I think reflected that, you know, there was other exogenous events in the second quarter with some of the you know, widely publicized bankruptcies. And so, you know, Coinbase is navigating that, you know, they have $6 billion or over $6 billion of liquidity available to them. So they are kind of a, a strong ship in the storm here. Um, and, and they're going to be opportunistic. They'll, they'll still play offense. And I think that's something people are maybe underappreciating. You know, their actual business outside of just kind of the, the challenging you know, price dynamic 
is hanging in okay. They're not seeing compression on their spreads, you know, the take rates they make on retail or institutional investors trading. And they grew their subscription revenues materially, uh, which are now about 20% of the revenues. So you know, that's a big positive that they're evolving the business away from just reliance on trading. We're now two thirds of their active customers are actually engaging with non-investment products. Mackenzie, as Devin said, clearly uh, some players have uh, gone out of business during this pullback in, in crypto prices. How strong are Coinbase as things stand, despite these, these poor numbers? Uh, I know you've been doing some uh, more detailed reporting on one of their big rivals in FTX. Yes. So you see three major companies that have been a part of this domino effect, the fall of the lending corner of the crypto market. So you've got Three Arrows Capital, you have Voyager Digital, you have Celsius. They are all in the Southern District of New York dealing with major liquidity issues. And you have all of this cash that's locked up on their platforms. And what we're looking at with Coinbase is one of the you know bastions of uh, of exemption from that liquidity bottleneck that's been happening. They pointed to their strong risk management techniques, as we were just talking about a moment ago. And they also make the point that, you know, hey, transaction based revenue and trading volume was significantly lower. Assets on the platform did fall to 96 billion from 256 billion from the previous quarter. But much of that, you know, is from the institutional side. They, you know, just companies de-risking, taking their crypto to cash, not going to other platforms. Um, and the bottom line is, Alicia Haas said yesterday, they're just looking to break even over the course of crypto winter. They're in it for the long haul. While there is a hiring freeze, they are investing in infrastructure because they say it's early days for crypto. So they're just taking a very long-term view, not worried about quarter-over-quarter quarter profits, just thinking very long-term. And, and Devin, I believe coming into this print, you had a buy on the stock and, and you've reiterated that, that buy overnight. So, so what did you miss ahead of this quarter and why are you confident that uh, things will bounce back? Yeah, so yeah, we, we still have a actually a really big upside here and, and think over the long term, we may be conservative if the things play out as we think they might, which is just that Coinbase is um, going to be a major on-ramp into the crypto economy beyond just offering people the ability to buy and sell. That was kind of the first entree. They're doing so much more than that. You know, I think what's challenging here is that you know, this is a business that's not easily predictable over the next quarter or two. Uh, as we talked about, you know, prices go down by 50, 60%, and then they go back up by 100%. And that's kind of been the history of crypto. You know, it's a lot more volatile than traditional equities, but there's some similarities. You know, the big deleveraging that Mackenzie just talked about you know, that happened in equities. We saw our institutional clients uh, de-risk materially. It happened in crypto, too. And so um, you know, they were less engaged and had to uh, raise funds to essentially reduce risk. And so, um, you know, in terms of what you know, we think is important going forward is, you know, can this company get back on track around um, both engagement uh, with customers? Can they evolve away from trading? And can they keep their costs under control? And the one thing that was encouraging from last night um, is that, they reiterated their four-year guidance on profitability. So essentially, they're going to manage the business within uh, an adjusted EBITDA loss of less than $500 million. That's the same guidance they've been giving. So even though the revenue backdrop is challenging, the profitability picture isn't really changing, which to us is, is encouraging. They're taking control of things they can. So uh, that that's kind of the, the main point. But really, it's this is a business that's way beyond just trading. And you saw it a little bit in the subscription numbers. 
uh, you know, with the big growth there, we think there's a heck of a lot more to come here. You know, Coinbase just announced this partnership with BlackRock's Aladdin. There's not many firms that you can think of, probably none, mm-hmm. that could have had that partnership because of the attributes that Coinbase, Coinbase brings to the table. We think there's going to be a number more p- partnerships like that coming. Uh, and that's where Coinbase really shines. And I think that's why the stock down this morning a little bit, it's up 30% over the mm-hmm. last week because of that. Uh, Well, despite that, still down this morning in the pre-market, down 7%. We will leave it there. Devin, McKenzie, thank you both so much for joining me and a very good morning uh, to you both. Still to come here on Worldwide Exchange, big tech under pressure as the Justice Department reportedly sets its sights on one of the biggest companies in Silicon Valley. We'll be right back. Futures pointing to a higher open. The Nasdaq is up by about 0.5% in the pre-market. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back. Uh, Let's get a check in on this morning's uh, other headlines with NBC's Francis Rivera in New York. Francis. Hi, Wolf. Good morning. In the first primary night since the FBI's search at Mar-a-Lago, former President Trump is still a GOP kingmaker. Trump-backed candidates had a big night in the four states that held primaries last night. In Wisconsin, NBC News projects construction magnate Tim Michaels has won the Republican primary for governor, beating out the Pence-backed candidate Rebecca Kleefish. It sets up a marquee matchup in November against Democratic incumbent Tony Evers in the critical swing state. And according to NBC News projections, Scott Jensen easily won the Republican nod for governor in Minnesota. A trial is set to begin today in Los Angeles for the lawsuit filed by Vanessa Bryant, the widow of NBA legend Kobe Bryant. Bryant sued Los Angeles County, alleging that first responders took and shared photos from the helicopter crash that killed her husband, daughters and seven others. County attorneys have insisted all photos have been deleted and that they were never shared publicly. Jury selection is expected to begin this morning. A scary moment on Little League field turned into a major display of sportsmanship. A pitcher from Texas lost control of the ball, beating the batter from Oklahoma right in the helmet. Well, the batter took his base, but when he noticed the pitcher was in tears, look what he does, goes over to console him. That heartwarming moment drew a standing ovation from the crowd and... Basically, that kid is teaching a lesson to all of us that goes way beyond the baseball diamond. Will have a lesson in not just sportsmanship, compassion, kindness, all of the above, right? We should all learn from it. Forgiveness as well. I, I mean, yes. quite remarkable, uh, Francis. Thank you very much sure uh, for that breakdown and ending on such a, a warm note as well. Uh, as we now head to break, a quick check on those meme stocks uh, that have been all over the place of late. Bed Bath & Beyond, AMC, GameStop, uh, of course, uh, surged earlier this week, though. They're pretty much flat in the pre-market. Flat for them. GameStop down 0.8% is nothing. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond up 0.6%. Uh, not much uh, for those types of stocks. Uh, the broader markets, Nasdaq's up about 0.4%. Uh, S&P, Dow, both up about 0.2%, 0.3%. We'll be right back.
Investors on edge ahead of today's inflation report as tech falls deeper into a bear market. Elon Musk offloads nearly $7 billion in Tesla shares as his request to terminate his deal for Twitter hangs in the balance. Plus, Disney on deck as the media giant prepares to report its latest quarterly results. The key question for investors, can streaming surprise to the upside? It is Wednesday, August the 10th, 2022. You're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back. Uh, I'm Wilfred Frost in for Brian Sullivan. A very good morning to you. Let's uh, kick off the half hour with a check in on U.S. futures pointing higher after uh, decline yesterday. The Nasdaq was down over a percent yesterday, bringing in its third day of declines uh, in a row. The S&P bringing in its fourth day of declines uh, in a row. Of course, just bringing back a slight risk off sentiment feel uh, to uh, proceedings after what's been a decent six week or so uh, bounce back following the lows. This morning pointing to a higher open uh, to the tune of 67 points or about a quarter of a percent for the Dow. Similar percent percentage bounce for the S&P, Nasdaq up about 0.4% in the pre-market. Uh, check in on energy prices. Oil's down uh, just slightly this morning, about a third of 1%, just below uh, 90 bucks or now just uh, above 90 bucks for WTI. Plus, we continue to watch shares of Tesla. New disclosures uh, showing that Elon Musk sold more than 7.9 million shares worth, around $7 billion, 6.8 to be precise, between August the 5th and August the 9th, uh, going against a statement he made back in April that he has no more plans to sell any more Tesla shares. Uh, when asked on Twitter by a, a follower if he was done selling, he said, quote, yes, uh, in the hopefully unlikely event that Twitter forces this deal to close and some equity partners don't come through, it's important to avoid an emergency sale of Tesla stock. Musk adding that if the deal does end up falling through, uh, he would likely buy some shares back and consider creating his own social media platform. Uh, importantly, as we just showed there, though, Tesla shares are up in the pre-market. Uh, remarkable, uh, once again, uh, to see the CEO and founder managing to sell significant amount of shares and it not hurting the share price in any meaningful way. Uh, let's get some of this morning's other top stories now. Courtney Reagan is here with those. Court. Morning. Well, for the Justice Department is reportedly preparing to sue Google as soon as next month. According to reports, the suit would be the culmination of years of work by the department to build a case that the Alphabet Business Unit has a monopoly in the digital advertising market. Before the suit is unveiled, the feds are continuing to speak with publishers to refresh facts and gain additional details for the complaint. Lenovo shares falling in overnight trading after the world's largest PC maker reported its slowest revenue growth in eight quarters that happened last night. For the quarter, the Hong Kong-based company reported revenues of $17 billion, up less than half a percent from the same period a year ago. Shares are lower by 2 percent. And the sales slowdown comes amid similar reports from other hardware makers like Micron, NVIDIA, Western Digital, Seagate, and others. And a judge denying a request from three professional golfers to play in a PGA Tour event this week after they chose to join the Saudi-backed Live Golf Tournament golf, golf circuit earlier this summer. The golfers are among a larger group who sued the PGA Tour, alleging the top U.S. golf league had violated antitrust laws by expelling them as punishment for joining the rival organization. Well, I'm not an expert in this, but this is really gaining steam, getting pretty interesting for the PGA. It, it seriously is. Uh, as you said, I mean, it, I'm not an expert in it either, but it's uh, 
got a business angle to it now, a competition oh, authorities angle. So we'll keep an eye, uh, keep an eye on it, no doubt uh, about it. Courtney, thank you so much for that. Uh, now uh, back to the broader markets and the Nasdaq flirting with an exit from bear market territory uh, all week. Uh, before yesterday's more than 1% decline thanks to Micron and its uh, macroeconomic uh, warnings, SMH suffering yesterday. Because of that, it needs to close above 12,775 to mark a 20% rise from its 52-week low hit back on June the 16th. According to Dow Jones uh, market data, the Nasdaq fell 33.7% from its recent high to its bear market low and has been in bear market territory for 107 trading days, the longest stretch since 2008. Uh, it was down, as you can see, 1.2% yesterday. It is up 0.4% in the pre-market uh, this morning. Let's talk more uh, about this in the broader tech sector with uh, Sarah Kunst, uh, Managing Director at Clio Capital. Very good morning uh, to you. So, I mean, you, have you been focused pretty tightly on some of these broader levels? Are they important to you? Yeah, I mean, it is a tough time right now. Uh, you know, I'm I'm keeping a close eye actually on on China. Um, you know, I think that that if that saber rattling that we're seeing right now in Asia, you know, post Nancy Pelosi's visit continues, uh, there could be big big implications for the chip for the chip makers, and you know, we could be in a situation where we're just not getting the apples of the world are not getting the components they need to to ship devices. So is the threat to, to, to the apples of this world uh, and their outlooks, particularly following a strong bounce back, back in their share prices, more on the supply side than it is on the demand side? I think it's supply, but the reality is that, you know, there hasn't been a new killer device in a while, right? People are not buying PCs. When's the last time you bought a desktop? Um, laptops are lasting longer than ever. iPhones, you know, smartphones, there's not a ton of change in the form factor. And, you know, it, you can get a new TV really cheaply, but more and more people just use their phones. And so, you know, there is a slowdown in chip demand right now. And, and even in spots like gaming, where we were seeing chips, you know, kind of drive more demand or, or Bitcoin mining as as demands cooled off in those sectors as well, you know, it all comes back to people just don't need as many chips. Um, in terms of some of your core stock picks, I, I see you're a buyer of eBay at these levels. You know, I think that eBay had a really nice quarter and, you know, the discounting, the use good trends, those things impact Poshmark and Etsy as well. And, you know, the real real just had a, a tough day on the street with their reporting last week. But the reality is that, that you know, all these other marketplaces like eBay, they don't manage their inventory. They have no assets. They don't have warehouses and supply chain. They just take a cut every time you buy or sell. And that's a pretty good business to be in right now. Uh, in terms of uh, a stock uh, you don't like, Facebook is, is on that list. Talk us through why. You know, Meta is just, they can't catch a break, right? You know, we have seen Meta and Snap you know, sort of bemoan the digital advertising environment. But the other reality is they don't have a hold on that younger consumer anymore. You know, people are flocking to TikTok, obviously, to newer apps like Be Real, which is the number one free app in America. Go ask your kids about it, right, or your grandkids. Um, so there's been this shift away from their core sort of usage of their social media products. And then on the other hand, they keep getting hammered in the press from everything from, you know, changes to 
to the the Instagram app that even the Kardashians were up in arms about. And, you know, things like the debacle they have right now around turning over abortion data to without a warrant to, to get someone arrested. Right. And so these problems are not going to go away for Facebook. So they've had a tremendous run. And if you have some nice gains there, it's not a bad time to lock it in. Okay, Sarah, thanks so much uh, for joining uh, me this morning. Uh, Facebook's up about two thirds of a percent in the pre market. Of course, it's uh, uh, had a tough time year to date. Uh, NASDAQ uh, futures up about a third of 1%. Coming up, your big money movers. Some household names getting hit hard today as companies warn of macro headwinds. Stay tuned. You're watching closing. Oh, you're watching Worldwide Exchange, excuse me, on CNBC. Welcome back uh, to Worldwide uh, Exchange. And a very good morning to you if you are just uh, joining us. Uh, let's get to your big money movers, uh, starting with Roblox today. Shares getting hit hard after the online video game platform missed the mark on both the top and bottom lines. Among uh, the other key metrics, uh, Roblox reported 52.2 million uh, average daily active users. That number was about a million short of what analysts had been expecting. It's down 13% in the pre-market. Shares of Sweetgreen plunging this morning. The salad company's earnings topped estimates, but revenues uh, fell short, and the company is cutting its full-year uh, outlook. It's down 22.8% in the pre-market. It also announced plans to lay off 5% uh, of its uh, workforce and downgrade its office space. We're also seeing red uh, across the screen for Nextdoor, the neighborhood-focused social media platform slashing its revenue outlook, warning investors' uh, business conditions are worse than it first thought. In a letter to shareholders, Nextdoor said its advertisers are tightening their budgets and the company plans to rein in hiring uh, as well. That's down about 13% in the pre-market, taking its year-to-date losses down 6-0%. Uh, now, let's... Uh, uh, also touch on Disney, which, uh, of course, will be the main focus uh, today as the, the Dow component set to report its quarterly results after the close. Uh, shares down about 30% so far this year, uh, up a little bit in the pre-market today, 0.6%. Uh, so for more uh, on what to expect, let's bring in Sarah Fisher, uh, media reporter at uh, Axios. So, Sarah, great to see you this morning. Thanks so much for, for joining me. Is, is the key metric still uh, subscriber numbers for the streaming platform or, or are things slightly changing in the media world at the moment? Well, they are slightly changing for the media moment. You know, about a year ago, I would definitely say that that stock traded mostly on subscriber growth. But now as Wall Street is expecting big entertainment companies to post profits over the promise of potential gains in streaming, I think more of Disney's stock is going to rely on what it reports today, and especially in terms of its parks and also its media arm. You know, Disney last quarter had pretty good uh, uptick in its parks although it was still suffering for some closures in China. But we're expecting to see some pretty solid gains, especially because rival NBCU Comcast last week posted some pretty significant gains in its parks and resorts division. Now, on media, which is Disney's sort of cable networks and its broadcast network, ABC, that's where I'm very curious to see what Disney is going to say. You know, they haven't been shy in explaining that they have been impacted, of course, by the macroeconomic headwinds that everyone else is facing in advertising. But at the same time, they posted a really great upfront. They do seem to be having some momentum. And so I think those two categories, the uh, media category as well as the parks category, can possibly outweigh any sort of growth slowdown in its streaming platforms, although that's not totally expected. 
Uh, in terms of those streaming numbers, though, given that Netflix has now posted two quarters of uh, subscriber declines, does that give Disney some cover if it did the same or, or if they actually showed a decline in streaming subs, would the share price react negatively? Well, if they showed a decline, I absolutely think the share price would, you know, respond negatively, but they're not expected to show a decline. With Netflix, you know, they were expected to show a pretty significant decline of 2 million, and then they only, you know, slowed down by 1 million. But Disney is not expected to go down. What could happen is that the growth could slow a little bit from what was expected, meaning fewer ads than Disney was anticipating. And I do think its stock would, you know, reflect that if that were to occur. I actually think the metric that um, Wall Street would be really eager to see is what type of guidance Disney gives in terms of its subscribers for the third quarter. You know, another thing just to think about, too, uh, Disney has had sort of a not great blockbuster uh, season at the movie theaters at this point. You know, they have Avatar coming out later this year, but I don't think they've had the same level of, you know, massive hits being funneled into the streaming service. And I'm curious to see how that's going to impact subscriber growth for last quarter. What, what about the FX impact? Of course, they've got all, all sorts of foreign earnings. So will they be suffering on that point? Oh, absolutely. I mean, almost every single tech and media company has, that I've covered during earnings this year has said that this has impacted them. You know, if you look at companies like Netflix, which is also very global and produces a lot of global content, you know, FX was a problem around 4%. Uh, you know, in the headwinds last uh, Q1, then they said that they were expecting it to increase to about 7%. I expect Disney to have a very similar type of problem. And that's especially because if you think about their media portfolio, a significant part of it is overseas, not just box office returns, although that slowed a little bit in China amid censorship, um, but also things like the parks and resorts that we mentioned, as well as streaming. Sarah Fisher, great stuff. Thanks so much for joining us this morning to discuss Disney, which is up about 0.4% in the pre-market. Coming up, today's big CPI report expected to show headline inflation has eased. But what will that mean for markets? The Fed and your money will ask a top-ranked financial advisor next. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. Uh, if you miss it live, you can always catch up later on in the day. Uh, we're on uh, all podcast platforms. Make sure to subscribe to the Worldwide Exchange podcast. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. There is the beautiful London skyline. It's going to be a scorcher again today, perhaps even hotter than New York, or at least equally hot, which is very hot for us here in London. Uh, but uh, let's get back from that beautiful skyline to the market. It's a busy day ahead on Wall Street. The big number uh, that everyone will be watching will come at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time when the July Consumer Price Index is released. Uh, month over month, headline CPI forecast to rise two-tenths of a percent, which would be a significant slowdown in inflation from previous months. The main reason, lower energy prices. Also of note to investors, uh, quarterly results coming from companies including Fox, Disney and Bumble. Two Fed speeches are on the agenda. We'll hear from Charles Evans and Neil Kashkari. Plus, the EU import ban on Russian coal takes full effect today. Joining us now to help get you ready for the day ahead is Patrick Fruzetti, Managing Director of Rose Advisors at Hightower. Very good morning to you. Thanks so much for, for joining me. So let's touch on this inflation number that we're getting at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. Is that likely to move markets significantly or has the sort of risk around it and what it implies for the Fed going forward been, been lessened by the, the strong 
jobs number we got on Friday and the way that, that uh, yields rose off the back of that? Well, if it comes in as expected, you know, um, the reality is, is the inflation number is still pretty high. So even if the rate of change is 20 basis points lower, just below 9%, that's still a pretty high number. So I would expect the monetary authorities to continue on the path that they've been, um, you know, of late, and so long as employment doesn't change. You know, so the monetary authorities are certainly trying to tackle it. Um, whether or not the fiscal authorities will be successful in tackling, tackling inflation, and I'm referring to the Inflation Reduction Act that they just passed, I think it's really a misnomer um, in that it will do very little to curb inflation. In terms of uh, the outlook for the economy as a whole, are you in the camp that, that expects the U.S. to avoid a recession? And, and where do you think the market is uh, at the moment? Where's there room for surprise? Well, we're already in a, a technical recession. And so um, I, I actually feel that we, we will certainly see uh, more recessionary pressures. Um, you know, there there are some positives in the market. Honestly, you know, the, the earnings season has been a little better than expected. Now, keep in mind, although a number of companies have reported so far in the S&P, we still have about a third of the consumer discretionary sector yet to report. So a lot of retail names. Um, so when we saw Walmart earlier in the earnings season, we saw a negative reaction in the market, if you remember. And so we still have some of that coming. Remember, the retail sector is going to tell you a lot more about the consumer. We're going to hear about inflation impact on the consumer. We're going to hear about energy prices and the impact on margins with a number of companies. So I would say just continue to hold on um, hold on to, to your, your seatbelts uh, as we go through this over the next week. But if we, if we get some positive reaction there, I think that that would be good for the coming months. But, but do you think we've bounced back too, too fast? I mean, we talked about earlier in the show about the Nasdaq nearly coming out of bear market yeah. territory. Do you think that means uh, investors should, should just take a little bit of short-term profits? Well, like, I'm not a short-term trader. I mean, my, my, my clients uh, want me to advise them over the long term. Um, but I will say, you know, on, on that comment alone, um, this is, has been a little too much of a snapback rally. I don't think there's anything necessarily from the tech earnings that would show me that, you know, the NASDAQ should have rallied as much as it has um, in the broader market as well. Mm -hmm. Now, again, there's some, been some positive signs from, from earnings in, in things like the energy sector, et cetera. But um, in terms of the overall, you know, tech mm -hmm. earnings, there was nothing that I've seen that would, would really constitute a, you know, a full substantiated rally for, you know, for the long term to see it continue. Patrick, I've left it a bit late. You've got 20 seconds to outline the case for Canadian Pacific. Well, I still like the class one rails because they're getting pricing. Pricing, it's good in an inflationary environment. Um, and I think the big change year over year is that we're seeing better results from the grain markets in Canada. So that's good for, good for those companies and it's good for the volumes um, for Canadian Pacific over the next year. Patrick Frosetti, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Very much uh, appreciated. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.